podcast, your go-to podcast for all things baseball. My name is Matthew Guir, and I thank you for tuning in today. Um, today, what we're going to be doing is a continuation of our division preview series. Um, I already finished up the National League in the last episode with the NL West. Today is going to be the AL East, but before we get there... Um, just want to talk about spring training a little bit. It's fun. Uh, what? Uh, my Phillies have played a what? Uh, I think they're five and one after today. Uh, today's March first, Wednesday. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they've played six games. So we're in it. It's fun. I like you know the the pitch clock is a thing. It's got people real mad. It's you know people have opinions. They're always going to. But this is certainly stirring up. Um, bit of controversy, I would say, uh, you know, that, what was it, I think it was the Boston Red Sox and the Braves game that ended, it was 3-2 count, bases loaded, I don't know if it was bottom or top nine, that's not really relevant, 3-2 count, and the batter fails to get in the box with the eight seconds remaining or whatever that time allotted thing is. The umpire calls him out on strikes, and that's how the game ends. It ends in a tie, which, like, that's my thing. Who gives a crap? It's spring training. Stuff's supposed. It's not supposed to look good the first time you do it. Um, you know, and that's why, obviously, umpires are, uh, um, what's the word? You know, just enforcing things so strictly is, you know, they're going to enforce it strictly until it gets into players' heads that this is how we're doing it, and... Yeah, I mean, you know, it sucks if you've been condi- conditioned to play a certain way and then now you have to change it. But then again, it's for the better of, you know, like the betterment of the entertainment factor of Major League Baseball as a whole. So I would say it's a good thing. And just in general, as like, you know, a casual, not necessarily casual, but as like a viewer of these games so far, they definitely feel smoother. They feel, you know, just it just feels better. Like normally, you know, you're watching a game, you see a pitch, batter steps out, readjusts his gloves, all that crap. You have time to scroll Twitter for a second. You look at your phone, all that stuff, right? My eyes are glued to the screen now. Like you don't have time to look down because it's throw the pitch, get the ball back, get the sign, throw the pitch again. Some batters aren't even like stepping out of the box. Like it's great. I do enjoy it definitely from a viewer perspective. It's going to take some getting used to, obviously, uh, from both pitchers and hitters. But, you know, I think, you know, come June, I'm really hoping that we're, like, forgetting that this was an issue and it's just going to be a part of baseball. And, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, those are kind of my short and sweet thoughts on it. Um, if there's anything else that really comes up with it, um, I get, you know, I can comment on it, but it's really, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I highly doubt I would be the only baseball podcast you'd listen to. If you, you managed to find me, you probably have listened, you listened to, you know, intake other uh, forms of like baseball content. So it's a very oversaturated thing. You've probably definitely heard about it. And I don't know about you, but I definitely am kind of sick of hearing about it. Like it's a thing. And like, I remember that first game, I don't know, um, I didn't watch other games on that first day of spring training, but I did watch the Phillies game, and this isn't like a knack on anybody necessarily, but it's just like, they mentioned the pitch clock, I think, 60 times an inning or something, and that's like barely an exaggeration, so, you know, it is what it is, it'll get better, I, you know, obviously full faith in that, it's doing what it was intended to do, and it's just, you know, 
you got to iron some things out, but it, it'll get there. So, yeah, um, that's my quick little thing on that. And moving on now, we're going to start with the, the AL East preview. Um, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes where I did the, the National League previews, um, first off, I recommend you go back, check those out. I think they're pretty good. Um, but yeah, just so like format wise, what we're going to do, um, I'll give you a, you know, like records from last year, uh, go through like lineups, um, and then go through any potential storylines that, you could see teams uh, facing, um, you know, just, I don't know, things that are relevant for each team. And then at the end, I'll give my projection, like a record projection for this upcoming season. Um, that was kind of a crude way of putting that, but you'll you'll get it. It's not hard to realize what I'm doing once I get into it. So without further ado, let's get into it. So starting off the AL East with the team that came in first place in the AL East last year the New York Yankees who in 2022 went 99 and 63 um going through their lineup now let's see um Fangraphs this is all according to Fangraphs roster resource so if you happen to be a Yankee fan or a Red Sox fan or a Rays fan or whatever um and you don't agree you're like the lineup's not going to look like that Blame Fangraphs, because it's not, not me. Um, but Fangraphs has Glaber Torres playing second and leading off. Uh, Aaron Judge in the two spot, playing right field. Of course, the reigning MVP. We'll get into that. Um, third base. Th- nope, not third base. Batting third and playing first base. Anthony Rizzo in the fourth spot and hitting uh, and the DH. I'm sorry, Giancarlo Stanton in the five spot and playing third. Josh Donaldson, the center fielder, batting sixth is Harrison Bader. Playing left and batting seventh, Aaron Hicks. The ca- doing the catching uh, and batting eighth, Jose Trevino. And the shortstop now, Oswald Peraza, batting ninth. Uh, obviously, that's set to change. We'll talk about that. Um, the bench, uh, the backup catcher, Kyle Higashioka. Two back, two infielders here, Isaiah Connor Falefa and DJ LeMahieu. I don't necessarily know why they have LeMahieu on the bench, but we'll see. And then Oswaldo Cabrera is kind of like a util. He can play infield. He can play outfield. Um, so we'll see what happens with him this year. And then the starting rotation goes Garrett Cole, uh, newly acquired Carlos Rodon, Luis Severino, Nestor Cortez, and Domingo Herman. Uh, bullpen, Clay Holmes, Jonathan Loizaga, Michael King, Tommy Canely, Wandy Peralta, Lou Trevino, Ron, oh boy, Marinacio. I think I said that right, and Albert Abreu. So there's your lineup and rotation and all that. Um, yeah, and so getting getting into some potential storylines here. Um, obviously, the big one, um, if you're a fan of the Yankees, was re-signing Aaron Judge, which they ended up doing. Nine years, $360 million. Um, it's a big contract, but, I mean, you know, he earned it. He the AL home run king now, um, 62, what did he end up hitting last year, I honestly don't remember what the number was, um, he, I feel stupid for not remembering this, he, yeah, it was 62, I was right, see, why do I doubt myself, okay, um, yeah, um, also, slightly lesser, but, you know, still important, another, uh, re-signing they made, they brought back Anthony Rizzo, uh, two years, 40 mil, um, and then the big signing that wasn't a re-signing, um, like I said, um, 
They acquired Carlos Rodon on a six-year, $162 million deal, which then brings me into their rotation as a whole that I have written in my notes here. If healthy, rotation has potential to be the best in baseball. I mean, you obviously have your top-of-the-line ace, you know, top-five pitcher in baseball, blah, 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 in Garrett Cole. Fangraphs has him projected for a 3.15 ERA. They have Carlos Rodon projected for a 3.10 ERA, so that's obviously really good. You're going to get, um, you know, what? You're going to get way over 200 strikeouts from both of those guys, most likely. You have Luis Severino, who slots in as their three. Uh, you could debate whether he's their three or their four, but that doesn't really matter. Um, if he can stay off the injured list, um, he's like another really good player. Um, I, I don't know. Is he underrated now? Because I feel like um, a couple years ago, like when he like first came onto the scene, he was like really, really, really good. And he hasn't played that much in total in the past couple years, I feel like. Like, let's see. Checking out the baseball. Reference. Yeah, three. 19 oh he played in 19 games last year why do i okay he had 102 innings i don't do not remember that era plus of 123 so i mean he had a good year last year 318 era but the year before that six innings pitched didn't play in 2020 2019 12 innings pitched so it's been a while and then 2018 2017 he had almost 200 innings each year so um yeah obviously like if he's right and he's healthy that that's like a big boost to that rotation Nestor Cortez also there who had a breakout 2022 I would say um and the fact that he is your um your four I mean he could be your three or your four but whatever uh what he was 12 and four last year where's this where's the ERA I mean no yeah 312 FIP 159 ERA plus strikeouts per nine just over nine um gave up under a home run per night so like yeah obviously you know what Nestor Cortez is he was an all-star last year he's a really good player and then they have Domingo Herman listed in here uh you might see I don't know you might see Clark Schmidt in there you might see I don't know I feel like that fits by obviously that's not concrete by any means so yeah that's kind of I'm surprised why don't they have him listed that's strange okay whatever um and just something else with this rotation, uh, uh, Frankie Montas just, what, literally a week or two ago, he came into camp and his elbow, I mean his shoulder is just messed up, so he actually got surgery, he's not going to come back this year most likely, so yeah, that kind of sucks for them, so that that's why that fifth spot is kind of in jeopardy, I mean he didn't have a great year last year when he came over from Oakland, but um they were kind of hoping for a bounce-back thing there. So, um, more on the Yankees. There's kind of been a bit of a controversy between who's going to play shortstop and left field. Um, kind of th- looks like Yankee fans are over Aaron Hicks. It's not really something, like, he's not a player they want to see out there anymore. Um the young kid, Oswaldo Cabrera, as I was saying, he's like a util guy. He could play infield. He was playing some corner outfield last year. Um, it's not going to be Stanton. I kind of feel like you do literally whatever you can to keep his bat in the lineup, and if that means he doesn't play the field so he doesn't get hurt, that's kind of what you have to do. 
So you could put Cabrera out there. Um, you could put Peraza at shortstop. Uh, there's also, you know, Anthony Volpe, who I'm sure you've heard of. Um, he's like number four or something like that. Baseball, like top 100 prospects. So um, that is also an option. I don't know if he's going to break camp, but so far, I mean, he's hitting really well in spring training. He's stealing bags. He's playing good defense. So I don't know. We'll see. I made a TikTok about Anthony Volpe, and if he's the next Derek Jeter, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but definitely go look at the TikTok, at Thinger Discussions. Um, I think that is an interesting storyline to follow as well. Let's see. What else? Um, I wrote about Stan's health. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, with the Yankees, uh, to finish them out, I c- we're going to go to their 2023 projection as far as record goes. And last year, again, I had them, them going not Oops, sorry. I didn't have them going. They went 99-63 and 63 last year. They were on at, like, what? Like, 105, 106 win pace or something like that. And then they just hit, like... They, they they hit a rock, basically, and just fell off face of the earth for, like, a month and a half, and then they brought it back and still were able to win almost 100 games, which is significant. But uh, this year, this isn't necessarily a knock on them. It's more the division, I think, got better, or it's just a really good division in general. Like, I don't know if it necessarily got better, but it's still a really good division. It's This isn't, like, deviating off their record that much last year, but I have them going... 96 and 66 this year. They're still going to win the division. Um, They're going to fight off this next team, which I'm going to talk about, and they're going to win 96 games. So speaking of this next team that I'm going to talk about is the Toronto Blue Jays, who in 2022 went 92 and 70. One of the more impressive lineups, just one through nine in the league. Um, Got off to an extremely rocky start last year. There was, you know, Vlad uh, Guerrero's, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s comments about, like, what he say? He was like, last year was the preview, get your popcorn, because this is going to be the movie. He said something low-key, kind of corny, um, but, and then it didn't really come to fruition. They turned it around eventually, but then ended up getting kind of embarrassed by Seattle in the playoffs in the, uh, what was that, the wild card round? No, that wasn't the wild card round. Yes, it was the wild card round. I lied. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so getting into their lineup in right field and leading off George Springer, batting second and playing short, Bo Bichette, batting third and playing first, Vlad Guerrero Jr., batting fourth and doing the catching, Alejandro Kirk, batting five and playing left is newly acquired Dalton Varsho. Batting sixth and playing third, Matt Chapman, who's in a contract year. We'll talk about it. Uh, batting seventh and in the DH spot is Brandon Belt. Batting eighth and playing second, Whit Merrifield. And batting ninth and locking things down in center field, Kevin Kiermeyer. Um, bench, backup catcher, Danny Jansen. Uh, infielder, Santiago Espinal. Uh, util guy, Kevin Biggio. And outfielder, Nathan Lukes. The rotation, Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman, Jose Barrios, Chris Bassett, and you, say Kikuchi. Uh, the bullpen, Jordan Romano, Eric Swanson, Yimmy Garcia, Anthony Bass, Tim Miza, Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, and Mitch White. Um, yeah, so that is the Blue Jays. Uh, getting into some talking points with them. 
I have first, they acquired Dalton Varsho. They traded away Lord S. Gurriel Jr. and their top prospect. Well, he was still their top prospect. I think catcher Gabriel Moreno. Back to um, the Diamondbacks to you know, then acquire Dalton Varsho. Um, very good player. Still only 26 years old. Um, very, very, very good in the outfield uh, defensively. Still like a pretty good bat. He's got he's got some pop to him. I mean, he projected 29 homers by Fangraphs here, 471 slug. So definitely has some pop to him. Um, and and you know like they could afford to trade away um, trade away a catcher because they kind of have a surplus of catchers. They have um, Kirk is like really good. They have Danny Jansen who is I I would have to look but I'm pretty sure I can confidently say like far and away the best backup catcher if you want to even call him that because he's going to DH a lot probably um yeah uh the Vlad and Bo Bichette duo like that 2-3 like rivals um I said this about who did I say this about I think I said this about Arenado Goldschmidt like back-to-back hitters like that's pretty scary uh, this Bichette Guerrero, like, that's not far behind. If not, it might be even ahead of that. And to think Bichette's 25, Guerrero's 24. Um, Vlad had a bit of, like, you could say a down year last year, and he still was, like, really good. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? He was still an all-star, 274, 339, 480. He had an 818 slug, and it was a down year. Um, OPS plus of 132. Let's see, 32 homers, but like compared to the year before, we're like four, what, 311, 401, 601 slug, uh, 1.002 OPS with what, 123 runs scored, 48 homers. So like, we we obviously know what he can be. He won a Gold Glove too last year, which is really funny. Um, yeah, so that's him, Bo Bichette. I don't know. Could you say he's underrated? He's a really good player. He's going to hit like 275 to 290 to 300, something like that, every single year. Um, and he's going to pop like 20 to 28, 27 home runs, something like that. He's just consistent. Defensively, not the best, but it's, you know, the bat definitely outweighs that. Uh, George Springer, one of the best leadoff hitters in the game. I think you can confidently say that. Um, so just lineup wise, they're just, they're stacked. Like they have Whit Merrifield, who's still like a good contact hitter. I would say like stashed all the way down at the bottom of their lineup. Um, what else? Let's see. Uh, going to the rotation real quick. I mean, you got Alec Manoa, Kevin Gossman, uh, Barrios, Bassett, Kikuchi, as I said before, um, I have listed here another step for Alec Manoa, possibly. Are we going to see that? Um, last year. Last year, last year, last year was his second year in the league. He was 24 years old. Uh, two two, did he really? That can't be right. A two two four ERA with a oh wow, but a three three five FIP. So who knows? But I mean, like that's still really really good. Obviously, he was 16 and seven, struck out 180 batters. It's 8.2 per nine. Um, that's obviously really good. Faltered a little in the playoffs, but I mean, if you can get another step from him as well as Gosman, who's going to strike out almost 200. Barrios, who was very good in Minnesota, hasn't been able to replicate that in Toronto yet. But if you see that, like, you know, that's one, two, three. That's really good in their rotation. And then also, by the way, their four is Chris Bassett, who I think that's going to be, like, 
probably the most underrated or one of the most underrated uh, pickups this offseason in terms of like a free agent signing. Um, he's just been really solid for a while. He was good on the Mets last year. He was good in Oakland the years before that. Let's see. Looking up. Why won't it load? Standard pitching. Okay. Yikes. Uh, I'm just looking. What? 113 ERA plus, 131 the year before that. 183 the year before that. 113, 138. So, like, very good pitcher. He's going to pitch, like, what, 150 to, what, like, 190 innings. This what kind of, like, no, he's topped out at 180. But still, I mean... As your four, he's projected a three eight two. So anything under four as your four in the rotation is really good. Um, what else do I have listen here? Barrios bounce back. Yeah, Bassett underrated signing. Um, if they're able to come out of the gate hot, I think that's going to benefit them a lot. As I mentioned, they started slow last year. They need to come out with guns blazing, especially because of that division. Um, I want to kind of look up. This is a new thing I want to do. I want to look up their schedule. They start... Nope, this isn't what I want. Okay. So they have St. Louis, Kansas City, the Angels, Detroit, Tampa, Houston, the Yankees, uh, White Sox, Mariners. So, like, there's some good teams in there. But still, I mean, I think they can come out. If they're able to, you know, especially if they're able to take that series from the Yankees, like, right off the bat, that would be big. But um, I think a big, you know, like, a good start is very important for them because they're probably going to be chasing the Yankees the majority of the season. I have them coming in second in that division anyway. But, you know, getting ahead of the eight ball to start is definitely important for them, and I think it could pay dividends down the line. Um, yeah, and that's kind of all I have for them. So, yeah, just wrapping up the Blue Jays, as I said last year, they went 92-70. and 70. I have them taking a slight step up and going 94-68. and 68. 92 wins is still is nothing to scoff at, but I think they, they could have been better. You know, like I've said it a lot, they stumbled ahead of the gate early last year, so... Um, their, their lineup is just too good. They're going to win 94 games. They're still going to lose out of the division by, what I say, two games because they have the Yankees going 96 and 66, but um, still a very good team, still going to make the playoffs and all that. So moving on to who I have projected as my third-place team, the Tampa, sorry, the Tampa Bay Rays, who last year went 86 and 76 and whose lineup looks like this uh leading off and playing first base Ooh, they haven't projected for first base that's interesting huh okay i'm sorry i did not even realize that Play leading off and playing first base yandy diaz in the two hole and playing short wander franco batting third and playing left randy arena batting fourth and playing second base brandon lau the dh batting fifth harold ramirez batting sixth and playing right manny margot uh, batting sixth, playing sep. Oh my God! Batting seventh and playing third, Isaac Isaac Paredes. I stumbling over that. Batting eighth and doing the catching, Christian Bethancourt, and in the outfield, in center field. I'm sorry, and batting ninth, Jose Siri. The bench backup catcher, Francisco Mejia. Taylor Walls gonna be on the bench. He's a prospect for them. Um, 
they have also have Jonathan Aranda, who is a util guy, and then another util guy, Luke Rayleigh. Uh, the rotation, Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Zach Eflin, Jeffrey Springs, and Yanni Chirinos. Uh, Glass now not in there because he actually strained his oblique, which we'll talk about. Um, and then the bullpen, which Tampa has always had a good bullpen. Pete Fairbanks, Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Sean Armstrong, Garrett Clevenger, Ryan Thompson, Kevin Kelly, and Colin Poch, Polk, Poche, Poke. I think it's Poke. Yeah, it's probably Poke. Um, yeah, so that is the race. So getting in some storylines. First off, as I said, this is really it. It's not funny, but it it, it just the way it happened was kind of like made make made me chuckle a little bit. But I wrote down health a big question. You know, with Wander, Brandon Lau, Tyler Glass now. And I wrote these notes a couple days ago. And then it came out, like, today or yesterday that um, Glass now is going to be shut down for four to six weeks with a strained oblique. He's just not really able to stay healthy. And obviously that's a narrative, and then it happened again. So that kind of sucks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that would be my first talking point. I would say that, uh, you know, Glass now staying healthy, which – not off to a great start, but then also Wander Franco, Brandon Lau, that middle infield has the potential to be like tops in baseball, if not close to it. Well, maybe not tops, but you know what I mean, like pretty close. They're Wander Franco's like an all-world player, Brandon Lau, second baseman with pop. That's you don't see that very often. That you know it's a good combination, but if they're able, not able to stay out on the field, which they you know kind of have a knack for not being able to stay out on the field, I wouldn't be mentioning if they didn't. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that's just a narrative to keep your eye on. Uh, McClanahan last year was very good. He started the all-star game. Uh, Clanahan on B-Ref. Let's see. It's only his second year. He's only 20, how old is he? I'm curious. Wait, 25. He's going to be 26 by the time the season starts, probably. Uh, 166 innings pitch. A... ERA of 254, 142 ERA plus, um, strikeout per 9 at 10.5, he only walked two batters every game, a FIP actually, oh no, a little higher, so like uh, directly at a 3, but the whip was under 1, which is very, very, very good. Um, he's a really good player, Drew Rasmussen, also a good pitcher. They brought in Zach Eflin on a three-year, $40 million deal, and they also extended Jeffrey Springs on a four-year, $31 million deal. Um, so, you know, the Rays are going to pitch. The offense might not necessarily stand out too much, but they're going to pitch, and they're going to figure out ways to win ball games. That's just kind of what they do. Um, the bullpen, you know, like kind of em emulates that as well. Um yeah, I really don't have any other notes. I mean, Yandy Diaz, he's going to hit every year. He always does. He's going to get on base at like a, you know, like a 370 to 390 clip. He's really, really good at that. He's like a, as a table setter. Um, other than that, I mean, Wander projected 16 homers, 282, 341, 453. So if he's able to deliver that, and then also Randy Rosarena, uh, deliver similar, not as good, but still similar numbers, and then Brandon Lau is able to, you know, pop out 25 to 30 homers. That that That's a formula that can't work. Unfortunately, I don't have them being as good as they have been in the past. Just that 
the AL Beast, man, it's like it's really tough division. I mean, both East in the in MLB this year, the NL and AL are both going to be insane to watch. Um, and I kind of feel like the Rays are victim of that. I mean, you do a balanced schedule, so you're not going to have to play the the Blue Jays and the Yankees as much, but it's still going to be really bad. I I don't like for them, I would say. So wrapping things up kind of, I mean, a bit quicker on the Rays. I don't necessarily have an, as extensive of of like a knowledge of Tampa Bay Rays baseball. It's just not necessarily something I look at too often. So yeah, just wrapping that up. Last year they went 86 and 76, as I said. Uh, my 2023 projection for them would be 85 and 77. So taking a bit of a step back, not necessarily on them. Like they didn't really lose anybody. I mean, they lost Kiermaier, but. I mean, he's kind of replaceable in terms of his bat, so I don't know. It's it's just that division. Maybe I honestly like should I have them with like eighty three wins or something? Like they'll be over five hundred, but just that division's good, man. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, and then moving. I don't know why I said you know there, but <laughs> moving on from Tampa and moving on over to Boston is the Boston Red Sox, who last year went 78-84, and 84, actually finished last in the division. The mighty Boston Red Sox finished fifth in the AL East. How do you see that? Um, going into their lineup, batting leadoff, playing first base, the rookie Tristan Cassis, um, the newly extended third baseman and batting second, Rafael Devers, uh, batting third and doing the DHing for them, Justin Turner, batting fourth, playing left, Masataka Yoshida, brought over from Japan, uh, batting fifth and playing right, Alex Verdugo, batting sixth, and this says slated for shortstop, which is exciting, Enrique Hernandez, aka Kike Hernandez, uh, batting seventh and playing center field, Adam Duvall, Batting eighth and doing the catch in Reese McGuire and rounding things out at second base in the nine hole is Christian Arroyo. Um, your bench. Um, so far they have backup catcher Jorge Alfaro, who's listed as a non-roster non-roster invitee. But if I had to guess, he'll make the team just because you need a backup catcher. And I don't know who else, who else they would really bring in. Um, you have corner infielder Bobby Dahlback. Uh, Yu Chang is an infielder and another outfielder, Rob Refsnyder. Hope I said that right. Um, your rotation, Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, Nick Pavetta, James Paxton, and Garrett Whitlock. And the bullpen, which actually looks pretty good. Uh, Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, John Schreiber, Tanner Houck, Joely Rodriguez, Ryan Brazier, Richard Blyer, and Cutter Crawford, which is a sick baseball name. He spells Cutter with a K. That is so cool. Um, I don't know why I like that a lot. Okay, that is the Red Sox. Um, it's a different lineup, obviously. We're, you know, just off the bat. No Bogarts, no J.D. Martinez, um, no Nathan Avaldi, all leaving in free agency. Um, which is gonna be the biggest narrative, at least until games start playing and the Red Sox give you something else to really talk about. Um... It wasn't all bad this offseason, but definitely letting Bogarts go and not being able to get an extension done before this season and then getting massively outbid by San Diego Padres for him, that was just, it wasn't a great look. But then they did follow that up right away with a Rafael Devers extension, which, looking that up, 
if Spotrack would load, is 10 years, $313.5 million. He's making about, what, this year he'll make 17 and a half, and then it jumps up to 27 and a half through 2026. And then from 2027 to 2030, he's going to make 31 mil. And then finishing the contract out from 2031 to 2033, he's going to make 29. Um, and then he's a free agent, 2034. He's going to be 37 when he's a free agent. He could still play. Can you imagine? The bat's that good. Like, he didn't get extended for his defense. Like, he's going to have another contract there, at least a, like a two- or three-year deal probably. But that's not important right now because we're talking about the 2023 Red Sox. And what else did they do? They brought in longtime Los Angeles Dodger Justin Turner. He's 38, 12 years in the bigs. Um, he's going to play DH for them, get him off his feet, get that bat in the lineup. He's going to play really well, obviously. I mean, Justin Turner is just a consistent player. Always has, well, not always has been, but at least in LA, he has been. Let's see. I mean, All Star in 2021. Last year, 278, 350, 438, 788 OPS. Um, at OPS Plus at 116. Um,. Let's see. I'm trying to say 2020 hit 307, but then again, that's in a shortened year. Um, is it? Sh- oh my! Oh no, that's his on base. Never mind. He had two. Not- I'm looking at his 372, and I was reading the wrong column, like an idiot. Um, but yeah, like a 290 in 20 um in 2019, 2018, and 2017, he hit over 300, 322, and 312 respectively with an OBP over four. So, I mean, you're not going to get that production, but if you can get, like, a 360 to 370 on base, that's insanely good. Fangraphs currently has him listed at a 353. So, even then, like, that's really, really, really good. Um, You might even... No, probably not, right? I mean, Yoshida is more of a contact guy, is he not? So, I don't... They... I don't know if I necessarily agree with the way that this lineup is constructed, like, I don't know if I'd lead off Cassis. I you might lead off Yoshida or something like that, and then drop Cassis a bat. Cassis is bat. That's hard to say. Um, uh, in the lineup just a little bit to get his, you know, like he's a big like bomber kind of player, so he's gonna hit a lot of homers, hit the ball hard into the gaps and such. So you might want to get have like the table setters like Turner and Yoshida in front of him. But that's whatever. That doesn't matter right now. Um. Okay, yes. Um, They also brought in Masataka Yoshida. He came over from Japan. They brought him in on a... It was a lot of money. It was like 153 mil or something like that, wasn't it? I'm looking that up at right now. Oh, no. It was five years, 90. I don't... Where did I get that 153 from? But still, like, that's a lot of money to give this guy who's never faced big league pitching in, in his life before. So, um... But he's like a contact guy. That's his thing. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that he like em- emulates Ichiro or something like. So like you you kind of you hope you know what you're gonna get there. He's 29 years old, um, and yeah, like hope he's good. Uh, Her- Enrique Hernandez, Adam Duvall, they're they're like they're big leaguers. So is Alex Verdugo. So like with this lineup, right? You can talk yourself into it. You definitely could do that. It's just. 
it doesn't stand out, and it's not as potent when you put it next to a Yankees or especially like a Blue Jays or something like that. And then really where you get lost is then you go down and you look at the rotation of Sale, Kluber, Pavetta, Paxton, Whitlock, and there's some names there. Like Chris Sale, that's a that's a good pitcher. Corey Kluber, that's a good pitcher. James Paxton has his moments. Nick Pavetta is like decent. He's a major league pitcher. He's not going to blow you away, but he gets outs, right? It's more about the health, in my opinion. Chris Sale, um, you know, like this has obviously been a narrative around him ever since, I mean, like ever since that World Series that they won in 2018, like since then, it's kind of been a struggle for him to stay on the field. Um, Corey Kluber also been a struggle for him to stay on the field. Same thing with James Paxson. So, I mean, if they're there and on the field, I feel a lot better about it. But at the same time, it's just hard to say that they will be because the track record as of the past couple years has been that they just haven't been available. Um, in which case, what are you really, what are you looking at? Are you elevating Tanner Houck? Um, are you going to go with Brian Bayo again, who's like a prospect pitcher that they have, who last year started off not too great and then had a pretty good September, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, we'll see what he is. I'm sure he's going to get some more run this year, but I don't know. I really don't know. The Red Sox, see, the Red Sox are a tricky team for me to predict this year because I feel like they did, you know, after Xander left, right? It's it's looking real bleak. It's not looking good whatsoever. But then, I mean, when the dust settles and you kind of look at the moves they made in their offseason as a whole, Xander leaving, not good. I mentioned that. We know that. Kind of oversaturated that, oh, you know Xander Bogart's left? Yes, we know. But just, they brought in Yoshida. Justin Turner's a proven major league hitter. Adam Duvall was really good with the Braves when he got traded over in 2020. 2021, I'm sorry, totally blanked there. Um, Kike Hernandez has had good years in the past. Like, it's they're not going to be bad, I don't think. They could be really bad. They could be really good. I have them being in the middle, which then brings me to my prediction. I have the Boston Red Sox going 80 and 82, um, just under 500. But they're going to be, I think, the most average team. Um you know, if their pitchers are able to stay healthy, maybe they win, like, 84 games, 85 possibly, and compete for third place. But, like, I don't know how confident I am in that. There's going to be a couple injuries, at least, at least a couple injuries in that rotation, unfortunately, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, that's the Red Sox. I have them finishing fourth, missing out on the playoffs. Uh, moving on to the final team in this division is the Baltimore Orioles, who last year, surprisingly, went 83-79. and 79. Um, They they played insane, like, for, especially for, like, uh, what they were expected to do. They played really, really well. It was fun to watch the young guys go out and just be awesome. I don't know how else to say it in a more academic way. It was just fun to watch. The Orioles have been so bad for a while and we've heard about the young guys coming. But we were like when I want I don't know. I I like the Orioles. I think it's a they're a fun team. I've been to Camden Yards. If you haven't been to Camden Yards and you can go, go. It's a fun time. Um I like the uniforms. I like the logo. I bought an Orioles hat a couple years ago just cuz I'm into the logo. I don't know. I just like it. I think they're 
uh, it would be more fun if they were good. It would especially be fun for this division because, I mean, you know, you kind of throw a wrench into the plans of the Blue Jays and the Yankees. Not that they're going to compete with them this year, but, like, you have the established players on those teams, and then you kind of get the young hot shots on this team uh, through the next couple of years. So, speaking of those young hot shots, we're going to get into their rotation. Don't, not the rotation, excuse me, their lineup. And starting off with the leadoff hitter and center fielder, Cedric Mullins, uh, batting second and catching Adley Rushman, uh, batting third and playing third, Gunnar Henderson, batting fourth and playing right, Anthony Santander, batting fifth and playing first, Ryan Mountcastle, batting sixth and doing the DHing, uh, Kyle Stowers, batting seventh, playing left, Austin Hayes, Batting 8th and playing 2nd, Adam Frazier. And batting ninth and playing short, Jorge Mateo. The bench, um, backup catcher James McCann. Uh, infielder Ramon Urias, or Urias, I think it's Urias. Uh, util guy Taryn Varvra. And 4th outfielder Ryan McKenna. The rotation goes Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, and Grayson Rodriguez. And the Bullpen, real quick. Um, Felix Bautista, Cienel, Cienel, Cienel Perez, C I O N E L, Cienel, I think. Uh, Brian Baker, Michael Givens, Keegan Aiken, Tyler Wells, Andrew Politti, and Austin Voth. Voth, Voth, I think it's Voth. Um, yeah, that's the Orioles. Um, just kind of going back to what I was saying, jumping back into some, some talking points here. They're fun. I don't know. I, I'm excited. Adley Rushman came up last year. He was, like, pretty much what we've been expecting to see um, in in just – he played in 113 games. That's more than I thought he did. 113 games, he acquired 5.2 fan gra- – uh, not fan graphs, excuse me, B-Ref war. So – that's really good. That's insanely good. With the hitting plus the defense, 254, 362, 445 slug, an 806 OPS, 128 OPS plus, uh, came in second in Rookie of the Year in the American League, only to Julio Rodriguez, who when we get to the West, I'll talk about extensively because I'm a big fan. Obviously, he is, like, he you know, the future of baseball, him and Adley, I would say, you know, there's other players in there too, but, um, you know, there's no shame in coming second to Julio. Um, Yeah, Adley Rushman, really, really good, projected, um, let's see, 17 homers, 257, 357, 441, just a really good player in the box, Um, and then behind the plate, maybe even even better, uh, he's got a hose, able to block balls with ease. I don't know. He's just a really good player. He is going to lead that team for a while, um, which leads me to my next point, batting just below him in the three spot and projected to play third base. You have um, Fangraph's number one prospect, Gunnar Henderson, who's just 21 years old, drafted in 2019 in the same year as Adley Rushman. So how about that? Um First round, they took Adley. Second round, they got Gunner, and they're batting 2-3 in their lineup four years later. That's uh, that's pretty cool, I would say. I mean, I can't, you know, they. I don't know if it's luck or if it's scouting or whatever, but the fact that that happened, that's really cool for them. Um, he's projected to get 602 plate appearances in his first year, so he'll definitely get acclimated. Uh, 253, 345, 437 um, projection for Gunner. 
um, looking up his minor league numbers. I want to look at minor leagues. Why won't he? He got like a cup of coffee last year. He had, he had 34 games, 116 abs. Uh, he hit 259, 348, 440 slug. He, you know, like a 123 OPS plus. So that's not, that's not bad at all. That's actually pretty good, especially considering it was his first taste of the bigs. It was only 34 games though, so I don't know about sample size. I'm looking for minor league numbers, and I can't find those. So that's not important right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, defensively too, he's got a freaking cannon as well. I think so. That's going to be fun to watch. Um, some more. Let's see, what else? Um, yeah, I have, so Adley first full year, number one prospect, Gunnar Henderson talked about that. Grayson Rodriguez, our next talking point, uh, they're fit starter, but he's got ace type stuff. Uh, he's probably going to be top of the rotation by like the all-star break. Um, if you're putting money on a rookie of the year, I, you know, like don't take my, like if you lose, it's not my fault, but. I would be putting money on Grayson Rodriguez. It's arguably could have came up last year. Um, he was the 11th pick in 2018 by Baltimore, and he's just got plus stuff across the board. Projected for a 3.89 ERA, 135 strikeouts, and he he just was born to get guys out. He's like six seven. Uh, how tall is he actually? I'm I'm curious. Wait, how do they not? Did I spell it wrong? Is it E-Y? No, it's not. Grayson Rod. Okay, that's not important. Um, he is 6'5". Okay, I was a little off. But still, that's really tall. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's going to be a beast. It'll be fun to watch. Um, also in that rotation, former Phil Kyle Gibson. Also, former Phil Cole Irvin came over from uh, Oakland. Who he's actually been pretty solid for that. Like he's not great, but like you know, him and Gibson are gonna throw innings for you. Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer both played. Uh, you know, compared to other years, both played well last year. Dean Kramer projected for a 401 um, uh, ERA. So I mean, if he can get that under four, that would be really good for them as well. Um, I don't know if this is the guy they want to lock up necessarily. Probably not, because relievers can fetch you, you know, pretty good prospects at the deadline. Keep an eye on Felix Bautista and how he does up until the trade deadline. That might be a name they are looking to move um, for like prospects and whatnot, right? Uh, yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, Ryan Mountcastle, underrated player. Um, he does what first basemen are supposed to do. He hits nukes. He hit. 317 on base as well, 462 slug, so he, he's going to do really well. Adam Frazier uh, had himself a really good year, what was it, two years ago with the Pirates, went over to, am I remembering this correctly, went over to Seattle, I believe, last year, didn't perform nearly as well. Am I remembering that well? I don't know, and I don't want to be saying wrong information. I think I'm remembering that correct, though. Oh, nope. 2021, he got traded to San Diego, and then 2022, Seattle. Okay, I, I missed the San Diego stop. Um, but, yeah, he was good with them. Fell off a little bit with Seattle. We'll see what he is. Was that just a fluke? And just in general, um, speaking of fluke, 
was last year a fluke for the Orioles? I mean, they obviously played, like, just outplayed everyone's expectations, but are we going to see that again? Like, is that the norm for this team, you know, with the emerging young guys and such? Or, I mean, they still got a lot on the way, but um, are we going to be able, like, you know, basically are they, they were an 83-win team last year. I don't have them being that. Um, but are they going to be able to at least compete, especially compared to other years where they've kind of just been the punching bag of that division for a while? So that that's basically my big question. You're going to be watching Adley. You're going to be watching Gunner. You're going to be watching Grayson. And then you're just going to be watching everyone else around them and how they're able to just stay in games and keep things competitive. Um, yeah, so that's going to wrap the Orioles up. I'm going to give my prediction. Last year, as I said, they went 83 and 79. In 2023, I have them going 79 and 83. Just switch that around. They'll be just under 500. You know, I do think they played, um, you know, just over everyone's expectations last year. They'll come back to earth a little bit, but I do think the young guys are for real. Adley is going to be very good. Watch him on MVP leaderboards. I don't think he's going to win it just because you have to compete with the likes of, like, Judge and Shohei and Trout and, I mean, even Julio Rodriguez and Vladdy. Like, there's so many boppers and just really, really, really good players in the American League. But, like, watch him be up there. I definitely think with the bat plus the defense, especially if Baltimore makes a little run and, like, makes some noise, um, he, as the leader of that team, he might get some, I really hope, you know, he get he gets his shine. So, yeah, that's going to wrap this episode up. That was the AL East. Uh, just overall, I have the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Red... Nope, sorry. The Blue Jays, the Rays, the Red Sox, and then the Orioles. Uh, probably the Yan- both the Yankees and the Blue Jays making the playoffs. I don't have anyone else from that division making the playoffs. Uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, that's going to wrap this up. Okay, so if you enjoyed... Um, Please share with someone else. Leave a rating uh, where you're listening. Um, yeah, follow the socials, Instagram and TikTok, at Dinger Discussions. And I have been Matthew Guir. This has been the Dinger Discussions podcast. Peace.